Hi, I'm Nile. And I'm Nathaniel. And this is Descendant Talks. We're talking to actress, poet and author Maya Watkins, plus writer and visual artist Kareem Parkins-Brown. Welcome to Series 2 of the podcast. So you both took part in the recent Speak Pondum live jam as part of Windrush 75 here at the National Maritime Museum. Can you tell us something about the jam and why you got involved and what it means to you? Yeah, um, speak upon them. Why did I get involved? I got involved because um, in a building like this, where boats and water and ships have played such a part in our history, it felt important to be part of an event that was about black people just having a good time, um, which we don't really get that luxury afforded to us as often as we may want to without trouble. Um, and so it was important that I be a part of that so I can tell my kids, yo, I perform poetry that I wrote at the National Maritime Museum, um, celebrating Windrush, which is how your great-grandparents got here, um, blah, 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 all of that kind of stuff. So when you're chatting about legacy and all them kind of things there, it was important that I be a part of it. Do you know what? I just like the name, Speak Upon Them, because we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like to talk the truth in a lot of my poetry. Um, and I write about things that are close to me. Um, my granddad and my dad came via the Windrush. So, yeah, it was a fitting um, situation for me to be a part of. Um, I love doing poetry. I love performing. And it was, yeah, just a nice venue to be in. Um, I like the message that it was putting across. And plus it was Windrush 75. So it's like a really nice you know, number to kind of just show your talents, hear other poets speak, meet other people, meet families. So like, since we're on the topic of Windwash, how has your heritage like influenced your creativity and the work that you do and how you produce poetry? For me, my dad is Jamaican, my mum's Guyanese, and they're Rastas. So a lot of my influence comes from the Rastafari community. Um, I like to talk about things to do with justice, peace, love, knowing your rights. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it's shaped my identity as well. Um, obviously growing up in a Caribbean household as well, with the food, the music, the culture, it's all part of who I am. Um, and I bring it, yeah, I bring it to the poetry as well. Sometimes I like to do poetry on specific beats or rhythms that are kind of to do with my culture, reggae, bit of, you know, hip hop, R&B, that type of vibe, so yeah. Is there any hip-hop RV artists that, like, influence your work? Mine's more reggae. I think that reggae is more, like, Damian Marley, Chronix. Um, I don't know if you know John Nine. She's, she's good. Yeah, hip-hop, I just love, like, J. Cole. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone that has, is really good with wordplay. Yeah, wordplay um, really And telling important. a story through yeah. music, the journey, like, that's what I love, so, yeah. I'm more influenced by grime and all that kind of culture. Grime being a direct descendant of like sound system culture mm. back home uh, means that like grime is so experimental and so futuristic sounding. And as black people, when we think about what we want the future to look like, it's something that's got to involve us still being in it. And so when I listen to grime, I hear that. That's what I hear. So when I write, I'm trying to reflect my environment the same way that Skepta would or the same way that Jamie might. Okay, so this question's for you, Maya. Um, can you tell us about the time in your career in acting? So, especially when you got into EastEnders, 
um, and your experience where there are more better roles for black women these days? Because I was just looking at like the whole casting. I didn't really watch EastEnders, but <laughs> I was looking at the casting list and like it's a predominantly white cast. So how did you feel in that environment? And like, what other roles made you feel, like what did you do to make you feel comfortable, do you know? Yeah, so you know what? EastEnders was a fun job for me. Okay. Um, everyone was pretty cool and really nice, like the, the um, other actors, yeah. the producers, the director. I had a really good time. So I actually haven't got any issues with how it was. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, but in terms of like castings and auditions, it has been quite difficult as a black woman, especially I'm Rasta as well. So some yeah. things I'm not really into and others I am, if you know what I mean. So um, yeah, it has been a bit difficult. There hasn't been as many roles that I kind of align with. Um, so sometimes I have turned things down or sometimes I haven't even been seen for a specific role. Um, and it, a lot of the time it is about who you know. Um, yeah, and what else I would say? I would say the hardest acting gig, like I lived in Russia for three months doing what? acting. <laughs> doing crazy. acting, right? For me, never again. That was hard, it, but it gave me the discipline um, and the, the confidence, like if I could, do Russia for three months, then, then you could do anywhere. Job. Like it should Let be me, light yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. I've got another question. Yeah. Sorry, it'll be really quick. Yeah. So obviously, as you mentioned, like you're a Rastafarian. Do you think your appearances has affected, like how? Because obviously, I've got locks as well, mm -hmm. and like yeah, yeah. I'm just going through that whole phase. And I'm just worried, like when I get older, because I want to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. So it's just like putting yourself out there. Does my appearance would that be an issue to some people? You know what? Because you obviously it, worked in the media field. It has stuff. been an issue, like where they've said, oh, you need to cut your hair. Or, oh. you know, yeah, well, you can't have that role unless you cut your hair. Or, Is it? But then I just think, you know what? It's not the role for me then. Because there's wigs, there's headscarves, there's yeah. different, like, everybody's different. So yeah. why would you call me in in the first place when you know I have locks or you know I look this way or I, this is the type of acting I do? Yeah. It's like there's ways around it. Um, so this is for Kareem. So you are a Poetry Slam winner in 2019. Yeah. So first of all, congratulations on that. Cheers, Actually, you. you watched the video. I was very moved, like, yeah, I can't like, like even watching, like, I feel like it was very moving and like inspiring. Like, Cause you know how it's like, it's a very different approach I feel like you took like in terms of like how you engage and like the rhetoric and like how you actually presented the um words and how you articulate mm. is very different to what i was expecting it to be like mm. you know when you're reading poetry like people are always trying to like i feel like find like a one type of rhythm and like yeah, trying to connect i feel like you always change it like you're keep you it's like you're testing us to make sure like you're kind of engaged like to make sure like you're going along with it so for me it's like I wanted to ask, how do you actually find ways to engage with the audience, like, especially mm. in poetry? And how, like, do you get like nervous at all when trying to change up a bit? I get nervous before every performance. Um, I don't know if it's still the same for you, Maya, but yeah, I get nervous before every performance. Um, well, no, I say nervous, I call it creative anticipation because I know something good is about to happen. I know I'm entering a zone where anything good could happen. I just don't know what that's going to look like. And that's what the scary part is. So that's what I'm nervous about, really. Um, but yeah, uh, how do I find ways to engage with the audience? I find the moments in between poems are really important. So when you finish one poem and then you're introducing the next poem, how do you do that? That's a good time to 
test the audience, see if they're still awake. You can bust a joke here and there. You can reference something from another person's performance to see if they remember the other person's performance, bring it into your performance. So yeah, um, there's a bunch of ways. When I'm writing poems, I do like to change things up quite quickly because I'm aware in today's day and age, we have a very short attention span. <laughs> so I'm only guaranteeing someone's going to listen to two lines. I, I, treat, I, treat perform, I treat performing poetry like you're trying to get people's attention on the street, right? So even though people are sat here to listen to a poem, they could still be thinking about a million other things in it. So I treat it as I'm trying to get your attention on the street. I'm going to change things up every two or three lines because that way I know you're going to be kept on your toes a little bit. And it keeps me on my toes as well because I can't get bored with my own performance then at the same time. So, yeah. Um, so, Maya, I saw your um, spoken word poem, Paragraphs of Conversations. Mm -hmm. So that's a love poem. But when I was like going through it, I saw that you kind of went against the norms of portraying the black female in like a lustrous manner. Like you were talking about all these non-sexual turn-ons because like in today's day in society, even in music, like when a black girl's or talking or black woman, sorry, female, is talking about like someone that she desires, it's very sexual, but yours didn't come across like that. So I just wanted to ask, like, how important do you think that black females should be portrayed in a, I don't know, in a feminine lens? Like, how do you think they should be portrayed, if that makes sense? Yeah, I kind of wrote it with that in mind. Um, I find things, the things I find attractive <laughs> is intelligence, health, like small, ordinary things, like even just weight. Like, I've had a lot of experiences in life where I've been close to death or I've had a lot of grief so I find beauty in like the ordinary the most simple the most driest things so even in a person like waking up in the morning and you're snoring or we're cooking together yeah. or we're in the rain and it, we're freezing and we're upset but there's still beauty in that like I like those those are the things that I like to write about it's just the the beauty in the ordinary um obviously some things are are I did have a few references to some sexual things, you know, just yeah. like butterflies, <laughs> yeah. the love, the connection. But I like to flow it with, with just vibes as well, with just having a lot of peace, nature. Anything to do with nature and peace is something that I kind of always allude to and go back to because that's helped me in my own journey. That's helped me um, battle certain things as well. Um, and with that poem, I'd, I'd written it like a few years ago. Yeah but I'd forgotten it because I had a brain injury. So oh. I'd had, yeah, literally I'm still kind of recovering from it. Um, so it, my memory had gone. So I challenged myself, I thought, you know what? I really like love. Love is beautiful. We don't see enough of it on TV. We don't see enough don't of it in our community. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we don't see it like, you know, with fathers and mothers bringing yeah. up children. It's just everything we see on TV is like making us feel desensitized. Guns, this, that, you know, hatred. Always trying yeah. to like kind of portray, so you know, to be like that angry black, yeah, or like aggression. the ghetto role, like always like the ghetto comedic role. Yeah. I feel like when you start to realize that there's you can branch out and there's more than just being that like ghetto, mm -hmm, like, like mm -hmm. African American, like yeah. stereotypical black person, like because even now, like sometimes you know, when you like if you start speaking proper, like it's always like, oh, you don't, why you don't, why are you talking like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're whitewashed or you're yeah. changing yourself for them, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I get that all the time, <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, so I feel like, it's, especially with like you guys' poetry, like it's really good that you're able to like kind of redefine and repossess the meaning of what it is to be black and like mm -hmm. demonstrate mm -hmm. your heritage yeah. from like, especially through things like um, speak on them and mm -hmm. everything. Like actually bring your heritage and your culture into your literature, literally. Yeah, and when lo black love is a beautiful thing, you know, like yeah, it when is. you see it, like solid things. I, ha I have an auntie and an uncle they've been together for ages and when i see them together i'm just like that is gold happy, like yeah. it's so beautiful and it's obviously they've had their ups and downs and mm. they've had children they've got grandkids but do you think it's more difficult to find like black love during this generation well you're not in my, are you my generation <laughs> i don't know i just feel like there's so much going on mm -hmm. like there's so much expectations yeah. but people need to realize like we're still young like yeah you can't really determine how things should be and how things should go, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and also with what's portrayed in the media, on the phones, on the te like music videos, for instance, yeah. hardly anyone's wearing clothes. <laughs> like, yeah, like, literally you no know, one's wearing clothes. Like, and it's so silly, yeah. like, sorry. <laughs> like, especially like our age, yeah. like it's people hard. expect a lot, but I'm thinking no one has the money to mm. be looking like that or to be acting like that. Yeah. Like, it's just a whole facade. Was it facade? Facade, facade yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's a whole facade. So that's just really interesting, yeah. especially, like, again, going back to your work mm -hmm. and then just thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's all about self-love, you know. If you love yourself how you are, you don't need to be spending money getting the Botox and the this and the fake, you know. Like, you have to try and find the love within yourself first before you can even get love from someone else or give love to others, you know, you have to, to know it within yourself first, yeah. For real. Yeah. I wanted to ask, like, how would you guys try and extend poetry to the youth, like, especially because I feel like now, in terms of, like, the curriculum for schools and everything, like, it's poetry doesn't get, like, I feel like the justice that it deserves in this sense, like, when I did um, English CCSC, like, I did it, I got an A, but, it, it, <laughs> but like I hated poetry. That's the thing. So it was yeah. just yeah. the way poetry was for literally presented to me was like boring. very boring, <laughs> and it was just like looking at like World War Two stuff. Like I know, like we're the minority, but nothing related to us in English literature. Like nothing at all. Obviously, yeah. I did English literature A level. I don't know but why. Even, <laughs> even doing English literature A level, the only thing that related to me was my coursework because I got to choose the text. So yeah. I chose the color purple and passing. But I could write that, like write that because I'm a black girl going through like society. Obviously, I can relate to the books, the authors. Mm -hmm. But everything else. I just found it so unnecessary. Like, it was so boring to catch up with, yeah. And, like, yeah, like, we are the minority in the country, but when you look at our impact on language, in we're the basically world. the majority, yeah. fam. Yeah, like, we're, we like, run things. Like, our impact, <laughs> our impact is undeniable. Like, so we're the minority, but we have the majority wanting to sound like us. Yeah. So that's the majority impact that we have. So when you look at the curriculum, it should reflect more of that it should include more poetry that is more engaging and that, that sounds how most people sound or want to sound. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that, even though we are the minority in the country. So if like, in terms of that, how would you like extend poetry to the youth? Like, mm. do you feel like you would like um, try and extend campaigns or stuff? Like, because there's been lots of reform talking about changing the curriculum, changing the curriculum. Mm -hmm. But when they get to changing the curriculum, it's either they update books to be more like back on times of slavery. Like Personally, I think the best way that they could 
make it better for you is to ask the young people, what do you want to learn about? Like, what, what are you interested in? What music do you like? What, like, what makes you feel happy? What makes you feel sad? And then find, there's so many different poets out there, young, old, current, yeah. from back in the day, that you can relate to. It's just about finding it and putting it into the curriculum. Um, if you want to, like, I work with young people mm -hmm. and they always, whenever I say, we're going to do poetry, they're like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. they don't want to do it. But you have to make it fun, like, make them find a beat that they like or a rhythm that they like. Then, you know, let's, what words come to mind when you feel, when you hear this instrumental, we create something. Okay. When you make your drill music, when you make your grime or your R&B or your singing, try saying it just in, way, in a yeah. conversation. And let's see how it flows and let's put a beat and let's change the ad-libs ad -libs here. And that's, that's how I kind of work. Yeah. And so a lot of your poems are about like grief, pain, nostalgia and stuff yeah. like that, coming back from like past experiences. So like when you're trying to perform poetry and you're writing your poetry as mm -hmm. well, how do you like implement those in and like where do those come from, if you don't mind me asking? Um, they come from personal experiences, um, nine times out of ten. Sometimes they come from a collective experience because I don't want all my business being out there. Um, I need some sort of mirage of privacy. And so um, sometimes I try and write from the collective experience if we're all grieving a certain person. Um, but I'm not trying to depress people at the same time. I'm not trying to send people home feeling sadder than they were when they left the house. Um, <laughs> So I try and incorporate humour quite a bit as well. Yeah. Um, because I find that's how life is. It's quite a bipolar experience that we all have. We can have a funny moment and then we can have a devastating moment at the same time. Um, so I think the humour just alleviates a bit of that pain occasionally. Um, and yeah. And like you find quite a lot of the time you get expectations put on you as a black writer anyway. So people... I find people want me to write about grief quite a lot. The trauma. Yeah, they want me to write about the traumatic stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they like they I have a real appetite for you, it. Man, like, they box loads of like black people, like especially like if you're not the ones that are oh, starting from the bottom like, the top. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not gonna lie, like I'm very thankful for it, but like. I grew up like I wouldn't say privileged, but like yeah, I had a very a good home, come from a good yeah. home. Like, I, my both my parents stood together. Like, that, mm. I feel like that doesn't even matter. But they always have that same type of stereotypes come and say, like, "Oh, if your dad's gonna leave, this is yeah, your dad's." Do you like always try to kind of like branch out from those expectations? Because I feel like once you see, once you give them, especially what they're not expecting, yeah, it kind of throws them yeah. off. Yeah. Like, I, feel, I kind of like that as well, because yeah, like, yeah. I never yeah. like to be like expected. Everyone's a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone on this planet yeah. is a weird person. Yeah. And so we need to celebrate that. People need to be themselves more. And like, as black people, we're so magical anyway. Like, we are, like, we are fantastic things. Like, we're fantastic creations. So that needs to be celebrated in every shape and form. That's not just going to come in like a couple of shades. That's going to come in various Millions. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so the question that I would like to ask you is, can you both give us a piece of poetry or spoken word that relates to your identity and the Windrush? Well, the one that I did here yeah. is, is called A Nation of Constant Abuse, but it, 
it doesn't directly link to Windrush, but it does link to, to your identity. black people and yeah, yeah what okay. I was feeling at the time. Yeah. It was during the lockdown when like George George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, so when everyone happened, was at home, you can't escape what yeah. was being shown, right? So um, yeah, I can do, do you want me to just do a few lines from Please. that? Please. Okay. So yeah, this one is called The Nation of Constant Abuse. As we guide each other through the revolution, I see us marching for justice, peace and solution, burning down corrupt constitutions. I notice the hatred in some people's minds as we trod on by. Black is beautiful, no lies, stay praising the most, most high. Walk safe, family, remember these racists don't like you and me. They ain't worthy in any degree, Brianna T, R.I.P., we don't stand for police brutality. It's time to escape thee. Raise your heads up high to the sky, they can't erase his story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you forgot, forgot the rest. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't really write poems that directly link to the Windrush. Um, I think my whole, my whole ethos as a poet has always been to be who I am because I know my ancestors fought for that. Um, so I've got a couple lines. Yeah, okay, I've got two lines. Okay. that I think um, link well, but I need to explain why I think they link. Cause it's only <laughs> two lines, so I need yeah. to fill it up with some, with some beefiness. Yeah. Um, Context. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look at the way things went down with the Windrush scandal, s scandals, because yeah. it's, it's a constant scandal um, for every descendant of the Windrush coming to England. It was a constant scandal. Um, but the latest one, where the Home Office really, really it. messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I like that. I like the way that you said they tried it. Because, yeah, they definitely attempted to do something. It didn't just happen out of nowhere. Um, but when you look at that scandal and you look at the anger that we feel and we felt and how justified that anger has been for years and years and years, I think that's where this line came from. So, a gun finger... It's just a middle finger and an index finger, as if to say my anger has a point to it. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, that was powerful. There's just like two uh, lines and I was just like, <laughs> whoa. Heavy yeah. <laughs> with um, Windrush and everything, and I feel like with black people in general, like I feel like we're always kind of looking for solution, looking for progression. But I feel like, how do you feel like in a sense with Obviously, there's Caribbeans and then there's also like, you know, the battle between Caribbeans and then Africans as well. Because mm -hmm. I feel like we're always <laughs> looking to push like the solution that we all should be like better. We should be up there ourselves. But I feel like we don't help ourselves if we don't stand and like, actually unite. Because I feel like yeah. there's always, there's, there can always be prejudice towards us. But like, I feel like because there's sometimes prejudice between us, yeah. we're never really going to be taken That's, seriously. Because yeah. like, yeah. even if, it, I feel like it could be even over the pettiest things. Like someone could walk down the street and come and tell me that rice and peas is better than jollof rice. So I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, literally like, all of these things, I'm like, you're lying, but <laughs> <laughs> but like honestly, like I feel like, how do you feel about all that kind of like the battles and like? I think it's about as black people, whether you're from Ghana, Jamaica, wherever, yeah, Africa, Caribbean, we should all celebrate our own differences, and we have a lot in common as well. But I'm from, I'm a Rasta, right? So yeah. our family, we believe okay, we're already descendants from the African 
culture, you know, that's where we came. We ended up in Jamaica through slavery, through this, through that. Um, so we always think back to the roots of Africa anyway, because yeah. come on, like Africans made the pyramids, Africans, you know, learn about astrology and things like that. Like mm. we're just such spiritual and beautiful people who are different in their own way with different cultures, different tribes, different languages, different looks, you know, different music. But we're all just beautiful and we need to we need to find a way to kind of celebrate each other's differences, but also celebrate each other's similarities as well and still work together. But I don't know. I don't have the answer of how it can be, but it's about knowing yourself, knowing your identity. I don't know, like poetry will be able to like unite us. Yeah, because poetry. Arts, yeah. yeah. But poetry is a form of music that our ancestors did, you know, with drumming, with instruments, oh, yeah, yeah. through singing, through voice. It's just another form of, of being creative. So if you can find being creative in other ways to bring back to your culture, then you're, you're doing it, right? Everyone's learning, everyone's seeing. It's, everybody's a bit selfish because everyone's trying to live. Everyone's trying to, yeah, everyone's trying to, sometimes we have a slave mentality, you know, because we didn't have anything for, for hundreds of years through slavery. Now we can get a bit of money, buy some materialistic things. It's like, we want to stay there, but we have to learn to try and help the people, not below us, I don't want to say below, but the people that are coming after us also build. Because if I'm winning, We're then you're winning. winning. If you're yeah. winning, I'm winning, yeah. you understand? And like, I feel like with regards to the banter between like Africans and Caribbeans, I don't know about you, but like the older I got, the less that became serious and the more we all kind of realised like we all are one, yeah, we all do yeah, come yeah, from yeah, one yeah. place. Mm. Um, so hopefully for you lot generation, that will fizzle out the older that you get. Yeah. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like for us, like mm. younger, like I feel like we're more united. I feel like, it's like yeah. not me, not your generations obviously, but I feel like the older generations, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like honestly, like before, like, if I was be speaking to my grandparents, they'd be like, yeah. oh, don't marry a Jamaica, no. Oh, those Jamaicans. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I'll speak it's to my other friends. They'll be like, yeah. hey, don't bring those Africans to my household. <laughs> Don't do it. This is like, and it's just like it's always the battle. Yeah. And I feel like when because we're younger, like mm. there's less of that. But also, I think it's to do with the traveling. As yeah. young, your generate one, you have social media, yeah. So you can see what's going on in Ghana right now, like just from looking on your phone, right? You can see Afro Nation. You can see what's happening in America. In Jamaica in this place just from your phone where and you've probably a lot of people now go on planes they travel they learn about each other's cultures right but I think when our parents or our grandparents came here that's it that's the only time they left their one country and came here they never went nowhere else so that's all they knew is where they came from and England so to learn about other people's cultures they only heard it through like stereotypes or yeah. what was presented on their free channels that they had oh, at home. Okay, yeah, they didn't have no so mobile yeah. phone to be calling up someone okay. back home and doing all these things, you know, or having a brethren that's from Ghana where you can go and visit because they didn't really travel. They didn't have the money. And mm. I don't think people really traveled that much. Yeah. yeah. So just the last question. Um, so how has participating in the jam and celebrating Windrush for your artistic contributions um, enriched your own understanding of heritage, identity and cultural belonging? I think during the jam, I had an overwhelming sense of community. Just seeing all those black and brown faces like in the audience and realising, yeah, we are all one. We do, 
where we come from, we do things communally. We don't have this selfish mentality that London or parts of the UK can breed out of us. And so for my artistic practice now, nah, I want to do a lot more communal things. Yeah, just that profound moment of realising, yeah, where we come from, we do things like this normally and it's for the benefit of everybody. I would like to continue doing things in that kind of way. Sometimes I feel like we're so sometimes hung on the past. We don't accept help from others because we're too a bit strong and proud sometimes. So we don't necessarily always recognise that help that we get from allies that aren't of our colour. So how would you like, in terms of your poetry, like bridge that gap as well? I feel like there's a gap in there that kind of needs to be bridged. There's a bridge that needs to be gaps there. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's just about being open-minded and not shutting yourself off and just being like, oh, everyone's like this, it's, everybody's different. Like, you know, one poem, someone might really like, another, they might hate, and it's, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. about just promoting and doing your thing and, okay. yeah, and being, being open-minded, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm always trying to be myself. I think people tell me when they hear me, I sound like London to them. Like, mm. I just sound like the city to them. Mm. And so I think because London is such a multicultural place, by me sounding how I sound and writing how I write, it and reflects real, yeah. that experience yeah. for Honest, a lot of people. Yeah. So when they hear me, they feel that comfort that they feel uh, from their brethrens. Yeah. Um, so I just try and hold on to that, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, thank you for joining our podcast. I really appreciate talking to you, learning from you. It was really cool. And your poetry pieces, that was hard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want to say oh, thank, thank you. you as thank well. You. I feel like this has been a very like cultured experience that we've been able to share. I feel like as much as I've learned from you, I feel like I hope you can take away from us as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's the ability to bounce back and be together is like a very good thing. So thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for your time yeah, as well. No, <laughs> no Questions, yeah. Let me think. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Proper yeah. brain scratches yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>